Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Chirtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from a cold Boston is Matt Kelly. Matt is the editor of the Radical Compliance blog and newsletter and a frequent commentator on the gamut of compliance and ethics issues. And today we're going to be talking about cybersecurity issues and suppliers. Uh, first, Matt, thanks for taking time away from your busy blogging, tweeting, and writing life. Well, thank you, Adam. Uh, I'm glad to be back on again. Always happy to talk shop about these things. Oh, and always happy to have you on. It's always a good conversation. So let's get to it. You're a proponent for thinking about how compliance teams should be addressing cybersecurity. How do you think they should be approaching it differently than they already are? I mean, it's not an area where people have been you know, necessarily negligent, but mm -hmm. it's certainly an issue where companies get bitten a lot. Well, I think that the real issue here is the nature of the cybersecurity risk is evolving and changing. And so really, for a corporate organization to handle it well, good cybersecurity is going to be less of a technical issue of firewalls and VPNs and penetration testing. And that stuff will still happen. And that is traditional cybersecurity, and it can be done by the, the IT security people in the CISO, and they can keep on doing that. But today, when you think about ransomware coming up through your software supply chain or you know, various other threats that are out there that are coming from IT service providers you use, it's more about how the company interacts with other parties. And they can be technology providers who give you data storage or manage your payroll function or customer marketing uh, software, things like that. It can be them. It can be other business partners. It can be employees. It can be contract labor who might be working in your office uh, or for your department for a short period. And they all have some legitimate reasons to be on your network. But are they on your network to the proper extent? Not too much, not too little. Are they on when they're supposed to be and not when they shouldn't be? So the challenge here is much more about vetting third parties, setting policies and internal controls on things like data usage, training employees, obtaining assurance from all of these third parties that yes, our cybersecurity at our end looks great. Um, that is not the CISO's expertise. Uh, if anything, it's really the compliance officer's expertise to be able to do those kind of things. And I know that cybersecurity is a different field than say anti-corruption, but if a lot of it is observing all of these other parties that can kind of sort of probably be on your network doing something, but they have to be doing the right thing and you have to be able to see when they're doing the wrong thing. Well, that's a lot like anti-corruption compliance. It's a lot like um, anti-harassment or good fair workplace conduct issues. A lot of the same techniques. It's muscle memory that can be carried over to cyber, but it's really very much in the compliance team's wheelhouse to be able to help with these kind of threats. And as you're describing it, I got to say this whole point about just because an organization should have access to your systems, you got to make sure it's the right thing and being used properly. In a lot of ways, it's analogous to in the healthcare setting where a nurse absolutely should be able to access uh, patient records but by the same token, that nurse shouldn't be accessing, say, the records of a celebrity that they're not treating just because mm -hmm. they're curious or to see how Cousin Bob is doing. 
um, you need to understand that are people accessing the information that they're supposed to and nothing else. Now, so what does this mean in practice when looking at a prospective supplier? Uh, it means asking yourself in a much more thoughtful way, how are we going to use this supplier? Like for what purpose? And again, to that extent, well, anybody who's done anti-corruption and FCPA compliance, you know, this is a question you should be asking for your third parties. What is the nature of this business relationship? Why do we have this you know, independent agent working for us in the first place? Uh, it's a lot of similar questions like that. Now, the assessing what risks that provider proposes and gaining assurance that they have those risks in check you know that is going to be a lot of looking at a prospective supplier and typically you would do this in what's called a SOC 2 audit where you inspect the data security controls for a third-party service provider and the thing is you need to know how to scope that audit correctly um, there are five trust principles nobody asked me to name them all or do it in alphabetical order but i think it's privacy security availability system integrity and a fifth one which is names escapes me but you know you're going to have to think through what is our relationship with this uh, provider and what you know trust service principles would then apply in this relationship and now we can scope our SOC 2 audit so we can get some useful sort of assurance uh, that they're going to be secure for what we are asking them to do. Um, you know, you, the compliance officer, you might only establish policies and procedures to implement those kind of SOC 2 audits or that due diligence that you might do uh, or any other steps that you'd want to take to gain assurance over those suppliers. It may very well be that the practice of like who actually does that audit that could be an internal audit team. It could be the IT security people. It could be an outside service that you hire to do it. But compliance can be the one that says, no, no, hold on. We need a process in place to vet these suppliers appropriately so they are not bringing risk to us unnecessarily. And if you don't have a process in place, then inevitably you're going to wind up with a whole bunch of third parties that you don't even know that they're there much less do you know, are they accessing our confidential data? Do we know that they're trustworthy? Um, if you look at surveys of the state of third-party risk management and governance consistently around cybersecurity, a significant portion of companies, they don't even know how many third parties are kind of moping around on their network with access to confidential data, let alone who are these people and can we trust them? They're still stuck on, we've counted them. And so that's you know some of the challenges around there. And there's a lot of challenges there, definitely. So given all these considerations, I mean, obviously there's a lot of work that has to be done in the vetting of prospective third parties, but on an ongoing basis, how does it affect the day-to-day -day management of the relationship with all of these organizations? Uh, well, the company overall, your company, you'll need to pay much more attention to monitoring who is accessing our confidential data and why. Uh, so that is a technical challenge. You'll need to think through how do we map out where our confidential data is and how important it is, and then think about what the access controls are and audit logs, things like that, so you can see how people are how you are monitoring these third parties to you know, assess data access. You'll also need to think much more about assigning 
a uh, an owner of this relationship again back to fcpa because we've done this before you know who is the owner of this relationship is it the uh, hr team because they're a payroll service provider we're working with is it some other team or if you find that this third party has no owner like turn it off and that's a great way to figure out who's going to claim ownership of this relationship is cut off that provider and then somebody who needs them will step forward you know, it's, it's funny, it's an interesting exercise because I would not be surprised if a lot of large organizations were to find out that there were still open pipes that no one knows what they're there for anymore. Oh, yeah. Now, it seems also that this area would call for periodic but extensive audits, which are often resisted by vendors. Um, how can these objections be overcome most effectively? Uh, with great persistence and patience and difficulty, I will admit that this is not an easy thing certainly you should be including a right to audit in the contract language or in your request for proposals. Um, and that is, you know, admittedly, that could be difficult. Uh, I think there are gonna be a lot of small IT service providers who don't necessarily know how to cooperate with an audit. I don't think they would be opposed to it per se, but more like in practice, they're not in position for this. At the other extreme, you're gonna have very large tech providers google amazon web service azure from microsoft um you know you're going to ask them to do something and they might be aware that you've submitted a request but they're not going to care because they're huge and in all honesty their cybersecurity probably is better than your own companies so you're going to have a balancing act of maybe assessing or auditing on those things that you know are unclear but you don't have to worry a lot about Google and Azure and AWS. Uh, you know, their security procedures are solid and they can demonstrate them and they'll probably say, you know, this is what we'll show you. You don't like it. There's the door. We have another customer. You'll have to do a lot of negotiation, but it's fair to say, yeah, this can be an onerous and difficult, laborious thing. And you make a very good point there that, you know, these large companies probably do exceed your expectations and it's better probably to focus on others than there. Now, where's the Biden administration on regulating cybersecurity issues? You know, HIPAA has obviously placed demands on healthcare for a long while. We have things like the California Privacy Act. Um, how are other sectors feeling new pressure? Well, I will, the Biden administration has put forward a couple of ideas and some of them, for example, are more reporting to law enforcement when you're victim of a ransomware attack, things like that. I'll put those aside. What is really interesting that the Biden administration would like to see, and I think is very relevant for corporate governance generally and third party governance, is they want a software bill of materials where you, the company, buying some software or renting it from a service provider, you know, you're getting it from a third party, you would be able to ascertain where did all of this code come from because a lot of times the provider might say we're not really sure it was open source we grabbed it off the web and so how hard could it be right and yeah you know, like they don't know or they got some of their code from a fourth party from a fifth party that grabbed it off the web a software bill of materials would bring more transparency down into where all of this software actually came from and then you would have a much easier ability to pinpoint weaknesses, threats, um, service providers that have an unreliable product you shouldn't use, or you'd be able to take corrective action if you find there's a vulnerability. A couple of people may have heard of headlines of that log4j vulnerability. It's all over the web because it's open source and 
it's in any sort of big software product that's out there has log4j. But we don't necessarily know where because we don't have visibility because we don't have software bill of materials. Now, that's not a law. It's not a regulation. It's a proposal, but it's a really good one. And we should start thinking in those terms to address a lot of these risks. Well, I think it's like a lot of other things um, businesses need to make sure is understanding where these came from and what's their purpose and why it's there. Now, finally, what about the importance of being able to document your own cybersecurity? I mean, this is a two-way street. You may be a vendor to another company, and likewise, if you're doing business, you know, as we mentioned, with some large solution providers, you may be more of a risk to them than they are to you. Um, what should a company be doing to be able to demonstrate what it's doing for others. Yeah, I, I love this. I think it's a very important point that we are all somebody else's third party. And the more you can demonstrate your good third party governance, the more attractive you are to your customer base because their fourth parties, your third parties, now they know I don't have to worry about that. And so really one thing that strikes me is a lot of times as I'm talking with tech vendors, they say that people driving better reporting and documentation of your third party governance. It's not compliance saying we have all these regulatory issues. It's the sales team saying, I have a whale of a customer on the hook, but we need to demonstrate our third party risks are kept in check. So they're bugging the IT security department with another questionnaire. They're bugging all sorts of people to, can we please document this so I can reel in this client? Well. If you have good reporting capabilities, if you have a single source of truth, I know that's what a lot of the tech vendors like to say, you know, you've got a solid repository of all this assurance you're getting from your third parties. And then it just becomes, oh, well, you know, we've got a customer who's looking to assess us. Let's just pull up our report, hit control P, give them the document and there. So there's a real impediment or imperative here that this is going to be good business for you and a competitive advantage if you can bring your cybersecurity risks in your third parties to bear and when you can document that and show it it's going to make you a more attractive customer and so there's going to be a, a lot of people elsewhere in your enterprise in your board in your c-suite who should i hope come around to thinking this is going to be a good investment is that we should tackle this problem well that gets back to being able to instill trust which is one of the things the compliance team deals with and aspires to achieve on a regular basis. Well, Matt, thank you so much for these insights with us. It's always great getting to talk to you. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.